Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. like that what is up my friends appreciate you guys this is the ufc vegas 51 post fight show here on mma fighting and also we're gonna get a little battle tour 277 as well it's your weekend wrap-up uh my name is sean Oshadi. thanks for joining us i'm joined by the crew you already know him the man with the best bobby hill tattoo in all of mma not even close jose youngs Best Bobby Hill tattoo on planet Earth. Let's get it right. I love it. Got the Lord of the Hot Take out there in Georgia, my man Jed K. Mishu. And of course, the undefeated E. Casey Layden, manning the boards from the producer's desk. And thank you to you all as well. We're going to field your questions, comments later in the show, as always. Uh, but let's get rolling, fellas, because um, what a weekend! What a weekend we just went through. One of the more bizarre weekends we've ever had. Two events, two days. Uh, mm. And in those two days, Jose, you had a really nice rundown of this on Twitter. Within the last 24 hours, we have seen a heavyweight spike yep. himself onto mm-hmm. his opponent's skull. We've mm-hmm. seen a no contest in a title yeah. fight that was for a million dollars, where sure if it did. lasted five more seconds, somebody wins a million dollars. We've seen a mm. controversial end to a fight that Bellator should probably have called one of their biggest of the year. Mm-hmm. And then we tonight we saw two technical decisions after illegal mm. blows and in very bizarre and I think incorrect fashion. And we also got a Daniel Kinahan shout out just for a uh, good measure. So, you know, just another lovely weekend out here in MMA. But fellas, let's start with what we just saw from UFC or I'm sorry, UFC Vegas 51. Bilal Muhammad defeating Vicente Luque in the main event. Uh, and this was, I think, an upset in a lot of people's eyes. Not many people were out there picking Bilal. But once again, it is the wrestling of Bilal Muhammad that carried the day. He calls out Kobe Covington afterwards. Jose, let's throw it to you, man. I mean, your immediate reaction to what we just saw. I was absolutely flabbergasted. I mean, for like I said this, like I, I agreed with our own Damon Martin on the preview show that like, if you want to call Vicente Luque one, if not the most exciting fighter on planet earth, I'm not going to argue with that. And I said, Blah Muhammad is very good. I just think Vicente Luque is better everywhere. And my God, did Blah Muhammad prove me not, I'm not even gonna say prove me wrong. He proved everyone on the site wrong. Essentially. I don't think anyone picks Blah Muhammad to win. Uh, I thought Vicente Luque, he lost the first couple rounds. I thought he was going to go in there and just blast him. Maybe get, maybe get a Darce choke on like a lazy shot from Bilal Muhammad. But Bilal Muhammad, just what, like seven, eight wins in a row and is like one win away from a UFC welterweight title shot? That is not something I had on my bingo board for 2022. But good on you, Bilal Muhammad. You proved everyone wrong. And 
hopefully this they run this back a third time because I didn't think it was a bad fight whatsoever. And uh, Vicente Luque just looked oddly flat and had Carlos Condit-esque takedown defense. So weird fight all around, not in anything I predicted. Yeah, you mentioned the picks. I mean, I'm just breaking the fourth wall here. Internally, we have like a little slack room where we make our picks. And I, I think there's maybe like eight or ten of us in there, and there was not a single person tonight who picked Bilal Muhammad. Not one. Everybody. Vicente Luque crossed the board, and I think a lot of people out there in the MMA land just generally were following suit. Uh, Jose, you mentioned Vicente Luque looking a little flat today. I would agree with you as well. Uh, Jed, for you, man, I mean, are you surprised? Are you as surprised as Jose by what we just saw? And really, I guess, who Bilal Muhammad is in this division, who he has become? Oh, Mr. Mishu, you're we Jed, can't hear you're you. Muted. Come on, the professionalism here. What is this? Oh, no. I unmuted? Yes, there you go. Now you are. Okay. I don't know what happened there. I absolutely disconnected my microphone. Good choice. Uh, <laughs> my bad. Hand up, guys. Uh, as I was saying, Bilal Muhammad, full credit to him. He, I thought he fought a really smart fight. Brilliant. That that lateral movement gave Luke a fits. And uh, the commentary team, which maybe we'll talk about, who I was not thrilled with for much of the night, I do thought that they nailed – that it wasn't the takedowns so much as the lateral movement that was setting up the takedowns. Because when Bilal was shooting, just blast doubles to like down the pipe, Luque was getting his hips back and, and keying off them. But when he was pairing it with some lateral movement, he he was getting them easily. And so like, and that was really kind of the key to the fight for him. So first, incredible effort from Bilal and take nothing away from him. Second, I don't know. Maybe I was just wrong about Vicente Luque. This like it looked like he went back to Michael Graves, like coming off tough, can't defend any sort of a takedown. And like I, I don't know what the stats are. I'm not looking at him, but Bilal had to have landed 95% of his takedowns in that fight. Like he did not, he did not fail when he was trying to take the fight to the mat and on the feet. Like I thought in that third round, Luke was going to come on strong. He had started to build momentum, but he, he just kind of never built off that. And Bilal, straight out worked him so great great performance from Bilal it doesn't change my opinion on his ceiling frankly other than by one spot I think he now I had him I think right below and he's gonna go up in front of Luke I still don't think he's gonna beat the guys at the top of the division but incredible performance you can't take anything away from that yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. The takedowns themselves were impressive, especially the open mat takedowns where it's just the center of the cage and he's he's getting Vicente Luque down. But that movement too, I mean, he was really stifling Vicente Luque with all the lateral movement and just everything he was doing out there. You mentioned the stats. I got the stats up in front of me. Five out of 10 takedown attempts, so really 50%, but he was just wow. dogged in there in his pursuit of them. And that seemed to be really the key for him. That is very surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, Jose, man... Are you where do you put Bilal now in this division? I mean, Jed mentioned it. Now he he moves one spot up just to getting to essentially taking Luke's spot. Does he feel like he's one win away from a title? Like, is this sort of he is he now in this conversation, this very real conversation when we talk about these guys below Kamaru with you know Hamzat Shemaev and a Kobe Covington? I mean, you have to put him in the t- in that discussion solely for the fact that he's winning. And I know a lot of people don't view mixed martial arts as a sport. They view it as more as entertainment. But I've always been on the side that wins and losses matter in MMA. And he's kind of like the welterweight Benil Darius where all of a sudden he's racked up a bunch of wins in a row out of nowhere. And then 
similar to how uh, Benil Dariush beat Tony Ferguson, and he just kind of one win away before getting hurt. It's kind of what Bilal Muhammad's done. Uh, he's just win. He just kept winning and winning and winning and winning. No one wanted to fight him. He fought a, a, the the one that everyone was calling the dark horse in the division in Vicente Luque and beat him. So theoretically, I mean, not even theoretically, the only ones above him would be who Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, Hamza, and the champ. So if we're just going off of wins and losses, it has to be one of those guys. I know Hamza, Dana wants Hamza and Colby to fight. I think Bilal Muhammad wasted a call out calling out Colby Covington because it felt like for the whole week or so between Hamzat's fight and his fight, he kept talking about Hamzat, how Hamzat can beat everyone in the division except for me. I think those are his exact words. So why not just go out there and beat him? And then who's going to argue you don't get the title shot after that? So honestly, throw a dart at either Colby or Hamzat or Gilbert Burns or whoever they want Bilal Muhammad to fight next. And it makes sense, assuming Leon Edwards gets the title shot. But you have to have that conversation with Bilal Muhammad in that top five right now. I am so glad that you just mentioned that call out because that was what I was going to bring up next because it was almost – Almost a perfect night for Bilal. He comes out here. He really, I think, impressive performance for a lot of people. I'm sure a lot of fans probably still won't give him his respect because of the way this played out. But regardless, you do that to Vicente Luque. That's impressive. But to call out Colby, like after all this time, you have spent so much time calling out Hamzat, saying, I want Hamzat. Hamzat's the guy I want. I want to you know, dispel all this hype. We already know there's a chance. Who knows if Colby's going to accept that fight with Hamzat or not. Jed, did did Bilal botch this call out? Totally. Absolutely. Categorically, this was an awful call out from him. And I don't remember who he called out last time uh, with the Thompson win, but, like, I feel like he did the same thing. Like, he's just not quite – he's not quite reading the room when it gets into the post, like, post-fight interview. Because Chemayev was absolutely the right call out. Like, quote, that – the UFC may want Chemayev Covington – I talked about it a lot earlier this week with, with Mike Covington is one of the greatest shoot themselves in the foot guys in the history of MMA and might not even want to take that fight anyway. And Chemayev is the path to the title. Like Chemayev's not going to get the next title fight. Leon Edwards appears to have that locked up. So Chemayev is the path to the title. You just call for him. And if you get on the mic and yell for Chemayev and you're the only dude other than Neil Magny, who's never going to fight Chemayev, uh, then Maybe you just get it, and instead you take the guy that that the UFC wants Shemaya to fight. Like that's just uh, he he went with maybe the worst choice. Like Gilbert Burns makes more sense to me than the Colby Covington one. So I don't know. He did it. great. Every everything he did tonight was great, but for as soon as Daniel Cormier put a mic in front of him. Well, last thing on this, and then let's move on. Jose, match make this out for me. Like if you're if you're given the keys here at one seventy. Obviously, we have Usman, Edwards. That's out. Other than that, everybody's up for grabs. How do you, how do you play this out? Um, I, if obviously if Dana White wants to do the Colby Hamza fight, I think that's the fight I want to see and the fight everyone else wants to see. So, in my if I if everything goes according to plan, he fight Hamza and Colby coming and fight for the No More Contender. Then I'd probably have Bilal Muhammad fight Gilbert Burns. The storyline is there. Gilbert Burns is Vicente Luque's teammate and coach and training partner. I'm pretty sure he was there screaming. I think I heard him screaming through the television during the main event. So why not just make that fight happen? Gilbert Burns is I think his it's it's weird he lost, but I don't think his stock has ever been higher in his entire career after that fight of the year candidate. So uh, Bilal Muhammad, Gilbert Burns, I think is, it's a good fight. Like, you know, Gilbert Burns can try to get revenge and then throw his name back in the title shot. Or 
again, there's not really much else that makes sense for Bilal Muhammad because all the money fights also happen to be ranked above him, and he just doesn't happen to be the big money fight. So someone's going to have to bite the bullet and fight Bilal Muhammad, and I think Gil Burns is the only one that can that can't say no, considering he's coming off a loss, and Bilal's the highest ranked guy I think in the division that he would make sense for him to fight next. Jed, do you like that? Is that how you play it out? Yeah, I mean, if the UFC clearly wants Covington Chemaev, I am like one of I think the few people in the world who's less interested in that. Um, I, but I mean, I, I, I watch the hell of it. Don't get me wrong. I just it doesn't doesn't speak to me as much as it does to everybody else. But uh, yeah, that's what the UFC wants, and both of those fights seem extremely straightforward. Um, the only problem with that is that I, at least from Muhammad's standpoint. If he beats Gilbert Burns, but Chemaev beats Covington, he's still not getting a title fight. So he's either going to have to wait a long time or fight again. And so that that would be that would feel a little rude towards towards Muhammad and what he's managed to accomplish this past couple of years. But beyond that, it's fine. All right. Well, I'm I'm fine with that too. I mean, this division seems to be in a somewhat of a weird place right now. We really need to get it moving again because it is starting to become a little bit of a backlog. But it does seem like we're going to get some clarity here in the summer. So everybody moving forward will get their spots. Let's move on now. Let's hit the other big action of the weekend, and then we'll bounce back to UFC uh, during the fan question part because Bellator 277 went down Friday night, and it was probably one of the best Bellator cards that that promotion could put on in 2022. And let's just say it was a very very Bellator card with the way it played out. Uh, Jose, you had Pitbull beating McKee, not only in a fight that I would say didn't light the world on fire, but mm. is also a very controversial decision. Lots of discussion afterwards. And then Corey Anderson and Vadim Nemkov leaving things totally unresolved in this light heavyweight mm. tournament. Was the way Friday played out, is that a worst case scenario if you're Bellator? I mean, it could always be worse than what happened. Like, especially if, cause I was, I was talking with New York Rick on Slack cause we were doing social media after the co-main event. I'm like, imagine if the main event was a no contest or a DQ, then, then that would be the most Bellator ending ever. But you know, a controversial ending is, I guess the silver lining in this whole scenario. So not worst case scenario, but it just checks out. It, the first fight was just so epic and everyone was talking about how AJ McKee might be the best featherweight on planet earth. And then that fight happened and he just looked like a completely different fighter um just a weird 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 fight all around patricia people is what a three-time four-time champion whatever it is now so good on him i hope they run it back again but it'll probably won't happen because aj doesn't want to go to featherweight again he just looked flat like his feet were just it just he looked so different than any aj mckee i have ever seen fight uh in bellator like he like i think casey said it, he tweeted or something like that is, is that like the first round that aj mckee has ever lost in there and it, his stance looked weird. He looked flat. He looked straight up in the air. Like I want to know what was going on in his training camp, like how much prep he did or if he changed anything or if, if he prepared for Patricio Pitbull to make adjustments. And then what was it? After the go, fourth round going to the fifth, his dad, Antonio McKee, said, I got you up four rounds. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? <laughs> like You are not up four rounds. Like That's like Teofimo Lopez, like, see, like dad coaching right there like that was a problem so uh yeah not a great night for aj mckee he lost to a, a really talented fighter he's still obviously an uber talented fighter uh aj mckee still clearly a top five featherweight on planet earth maybe top three top four but 
just a weird night for him. And he, again, I can't stress enough that I did not recognize that AJ McKeon there at all on Friday night. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I want to revisit what you're saying here about how AJ looks. But first, Jed, I mean, how did you score that fight, that Pitbull McKee rematch? I scored it at the time, 3-2 McKee. I thought he won the first two rounds in the fifth. I went back and rewatched it. And I, I mean, last, I guess not last night, technically. Friday night, if you scored it for Pitbull, I had no issues with it. I thought it was a close fight and totally fine. I do have issues with the 49-46. That seems uh, a little strange to me. But going back to rewatch, I think that first round easily could be a Pitbull round. Um, and so, like, I'm... I have no no issue with that score whatsoever with with Pitbull winning. I echo a lot of what Jose said though. Like McKee just looked really strange. And I I came with so many questions out of this because I don't know if he looked strange because he he thought he was just gonna run through Pitbull. Uh if you know the cut to 45 is really starting to wear on him and he is ready to be done with that. And so he spent a lot more time focusing on on weight related issues as opposed to prep uh or if you know some part of him kind of was okay taking an L so he could get out of that champions contract and bolt uh or maybe he just is a more limited fighter than we kind of ascribed onto him because realistically we've seen AJ McKee fight a lot but it has been mostly being the hammer and kind of we haven't had to see him apply the depths or go into championship rounds or show kind of a, a wide depth certainly of his striking skill and so i just don't know where where any of the where any of the truth lies within that it could be all of it it could be factors of all of it maybe we all overestimated him a little bit maybe he overestimated himself so i'm really fascinated to see kind of where he goes moving forward from here but the end result was i i thought that he at the minimum did not fight a a smart or good fight and paid for it by taking that l which, you know, has pluses and minuses for him, but I don't think that's the way he wanted to get an L. Jose, the way the rhetoric coming from AJ in the, ahead of that fight was very, very different than I think we've heard from him just generally throughout his career. And it was very, I wouldn't say alarming, but it was, it did sound like someone who was already kind of over what their current situation was, right? He's talking about, you know, inevitable UFC champion. He's talking about all the contract negotiations. I want a million per fight. You know, I think at some point during his MMA hour interview, he said, you know, I don't need to train as hard for these guys, that yeah. type of thing. Do you feel as if like AJ, did you feel if that, that first win, that, that way that Pitbull fight played out, running through a guy that we had all proclaimed as the greatest fighter in Bellator history, do you think that kind of got to AJ's head a little bit and that he was maybe feeling himself a little too much into that? Or is this really just about what Pitbull did and he, you know, he just came in with a spectacular game plan? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, how many, like even before the first fight, like I remember back, like this was way long time ago, back when I first started MMA fighting, uh, me, Casey, and Esther went to like the Featherweight Grand Prix, like media day where it was even before they had the seating. It was like they had all the matchups announced and then they were going to fight and then the winners would then be seated. And 
the entire interview I do with AJ McKee, he kept complaining about how Pitbull wasn't fighting him first or he wasn't matched up with Pitbull because he wanted to fight Pitbull and get the belt and then get his lightweight belt because Petrusa Pitbull had, you know, I think rightfully so been labeled the greatest fighter in Bellator history. He was the champion. It was a tournament for a million dollars and he was the lightweight title, which AJ McKee wanted. And then he beat him. So then what do you have to do next is fight him at lightweight and then he gave up the belt. So I just felt like the thing that AJ McKee had been chasing for his entire entire career he had accomplished and then he had that that feeling that i'm sure everyone else has had in the world at some point in life like well what do i do now i can't leave and i guess i have to fight him again in a way that i already beat him and like there's a reason conor mcgregor probably didn't do that with jose aldo you know the whole time (laughs) like the whole time he's like i want to fight jose aldo the greatest featherweight of all time and then you knock him out in 13 seconds and then you just bounce, and then all of a sudden you, you go up to fight lightweight. It's probably what AJ McKee should have done, or what Bellator should have done with AJ McKee, because what AJ McKee for Tricky Pitbull, you know, the second Pitbull brother for the title, the vacant title, that would have sold too. Like, I get what AJ McKee is saying, but it's just you can't mess around and not take Patricio Pitbull seriously. The man had a game plan in place, just kick the hell out of his legs and then piece him up and then win a decision. I'm sure he, he wanted the, the, the stoppage, but uh, yeah, I think you used the word alarming, and it was. It was very alarming to hear uh, AJ McKee talk a lot about non-Patricio Pitbull stuffs before he was about to get into a fist fight with Patricio Pitbull. Last thing on this fight, because I agree with a lot of what you're saying there, Jose. I mean, Jed, what do you do now? If you're Bellator, like I don't even, it didn't even seem as though, I mean, watching the post-fight press conference, it didn't seem like there was even certainty if AJ is still a Bellator fighter or if he's a free agent with this championship clause situation. Like if you're, if you're Scott Coker and you're AJ McKee and you need to sit down and figure this out, what's the move? What do you do from here? I have no idea because it sounds like AJ doesn't want to get the featherweight belt back, which I think Jose nailed it. AJ should have just gone to lightweight. Like, he should have pulled an absolute Connor and be like, all right, I won this as cleanly and dominantly as a man can win a fight. I'm not going to run this back. We can go fight for the lightweight belt if you want. Uh, and then, you know, gone from there. But he didn't. And now we're here. And if AJ is somehow still under Bellator contract, which wouldn't make sense to me, but I guess it's plausible. Uh, I guess they they lobby to run back a third fight because that is the fight that should be made at this point whether it happens at featherweight or lightweight, I guess is anyone's guess at this point. But my assumption is that he is not, he, he lost. And so shouldn't be subject to any champions clauses that are in effect. And so should be a free agent. And based on everything he was saying before the Pitbull fight, it sounds a lot like he wants to go to the UFC. So uh, I don't, I have honestly no idea what's going to happen, but it's going to be really interesting. Uh, because I'm excited to see him in the UFC and fight those guys, but I, I also think it's really funny that he was talking a lot of, to to steal Jose's phrase, a lot of greasiness about Alexander Volkanovsky not being all that impressive, and then he goes out and lays that egg. Uh, so that will bring – he will come to the UFC with uh, something to prove, which I think will be really, really interesting. Well, we're certainly going to get a lot of clarity – I think in the coming days regarding the contract situation where just AJ, if he's free, if he's staying, all of that, if he is free, he definitely lost a lot of zeros on whatever that UFC offer would be. And I think he's going to have to lower his expectations for whatever that offer will be, because now it's certainly going to be much less than it would have had he come out and replicated uh, that first performance against Pitbull. 
Dude, if he but... is, if if he does stay with Bellator, though, I I actually I don't think we're gonna see him fight a featherweight again. Like I don't think the trilogy fight almost doesn't even make sense at this point. Even though you know logistically it makes sense, but it just feels like what AJ needs to do is move to fifty five. I don't know how long he can continue to make this cut. It seems like it's really difficult for him. You still have a story there with the Pitbull brothers, Patricky having the lightweight title. I don't know. The whole thing is, that- is so much more of a mess than it was what's that does that not that feel weird to you though to like feels completely weird put, put him in against an ur like the ersatz pitbull brother here you just lost to the good one why don't you fight the one who's not as good like, i think it's just about getting the belt back on him right and like push and then you can begin yeah. resume what you were trying to do with him before uh anyway let, let's move now and let's give move me, to the other half give me aj versus brian ortega that's all i want i don't care about go. let's just manifest that that bit of violent nonsense into the world. (laughs) I'm here for it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's now talk to the other half of that Bellator poo-poo platter that we were handed on Friday. Uh, the the $1 million finals of the light heavyweight Grand Prix. And it turns out no one wins a million dollars. It's just still sitting there. That giant oversized check doesn't go to anybody. It just goes in the trash. Uh, a no contest between Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov, accidental clash of heads in the closing seconds of the third round. It kind of seemed like if the fight lasted just five more seconds, it probably goes to the scorecards and Corey Anderson leaves San Jose with, you know, a giant oversized novelty check, but that doesn't happen. Uh, Jose, what was your biggest takeaway coming away from this supposed end to this tournament that didn't actually end? It was honestly, yeah, that makes sense. Like this would happen to Corey Anderson. You know, he's, he labeled himself the best light heavyweight in the world. I know a lot of people on our, in the rankings, including people on our site, put Corey Anderson as the number one light heavyweight in the world. But the fact that there's some debate uh, proves that he's not like obviously undisputed top light heavyweight on planet earth. And I think beating Nemkov pushes him that much closer to it. And he said it himself, he views himself as the champion. Unfortunately, Corey Anderson's sportsmanship got the like blew up in his face because he accidentally was the accidental headbutt, And he's the one that alerted the ref. And if he had waited five seconds, He would have a million dollars and a big shine and two belts, one Grand Prix belt and one light heavyweight championship. So, uh, and a bunch of 50 cents, bad champagne being poured on. So, um, yeah, just all around like this makes sense for what is happening right now. You know, Bellator put a lot into this light heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, it seems like the bad luck bug had bitten their bantamweight Grand Prix that they put all this marketing behind. So why not have it leak in to the 
finales of the light heavyweight Grand Prix, right? So unfortunate all around. Corey Anderson, I still view like I thought like I think we can all agree he was about to win that fight. Uh, he was dominating that fight against a seemingly undersized Vadim Nemkov. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from him is Nemkov looks a, like a middleweight compared to a lot of these light heavyweights and just that much more impressive what he did to previous light heavyweights, which makes it even more impressive what Corey Anderson was doing to Vadim Nemkov. So good on you, Corey Anderson. You were a good sport, uh, but you lost out a million dollars, and I fully expect you to get that giant goofy check, bad champagne, and two belts in your next fight. I mean, you said a lot there, but I got to say, Corey Anderson impressed, I think, a lot of people with the way he came out there and surprised uh, Vadim Nemkov by really almost like breaking him by the end of that third round. It did certainly seem as though things were trending his way. But, Jed, you made a point several times on Friday night to point out that Corey Anderson didn't actually win that fight. So all of us ascribing victory to him were maybe being a little premature. We just went through this with Sterling and Jan. Jed, when we started this tournament, we had all these big dreams. It was Romero Rumble was on that. I remember that being a thing at one point. We got none uh, of them. None of the big <laughs> dreams happened. None of them end up coming true, and we end up here. Are you disappointed with how this all played out? Like, what do you make of how of this tournament, this weekend, and just I guess did this weekend affect the way you think of Corey Anderson moving forward now? Uh, well, first, the thing I do want to say, because we've said it and a bunch of people have said it, so we're clear, if that fight had made it to the end of the round, it still would have resulted in the outcome that we got. A technical decision requires the fight to go past three rounds and into the fourth. So that fight would have been stopped on the stool between rounds the same way. And because it, we never got a start to the fourth round, it should not have gone to the judges' scorecards. It would have still just been re- rendered a no contest, just so we're clear, because I'm sure somebody knows this and is mad at us about saying this. Uh, yeah, this was the most GP thing of all time for just, just hey, we've done a tournament and nothing goes the way we want, want it to, and then we don't even get a satisfying conclusion. And Jose, was, we were talking before this, they like brought out the big novelty check and then they had to take it away. <laughs> it was just, it's just the most unbelievably funny possible outcome to this whole situation. And so while it's objectively bad for almost every reason, I can't help but smile at what happened on Friday because it's, it feels incredibly Bellator for this to happen. Shades of Eric Prindle. That's what we have here. <laughs> we don't even get like a cool DC type of story of like DC coming from out of nowhere to win this tournament. Like it's all just a bunch of nothing. The, the whole yeah, thing. Just a bunch it's of just, nonsense. It's just a bunch of nonsense. So let's throw away the no no the no contest. We'll throw it aside for a second. We spoke pre, pre-fight about the stakes here in terms of the global landscape at 205, right? It's a very, very weird division right now ever since Glover won the title because Glover... He's lost to some guys. One of those guys is Corey Anderson. That wasn't super long ago, and that was a very dominant win for Corey Anderson on like two weeks' notice, as Corey Anderson said several times in the lead-up to this. Vadim Nemkov, I think a lot of us really like Vadim Nemkov. I think he was pretty highly ranked for all of us on, on the rankings panel at MMA Fighting. Um, and then obviously, you know, Corey Anderson also has lost recently to Jan Blakovic. All of this, there's Yuri Prohaska out there. Jose, simple question. I'm going to throw this to you, then to Jed as you as well. Is Corey Anderson the best light heavyweight in the world? Is he top two? Where is he? Uh, Three behind Glover and Yuri, I think. I mean, we saw tonight what happens when, uh, you know, sometimes when a guy knocks out a guy or dominates him the first time and then they run it back, doesn't always play out the same way. We just saw that like 30 minutes ago with Bilal Muhammad. (laughs) 
and Vicente Luque. So I think Love Sarah just, you know, got a lot better as you do in mixed martial arts than his loss to Corey Anderson. Uh, that was also when, if I remember correctly, in Germany, there was like a lot of like, they both had to fly over there. Glover chair laid an egg. And since then he's got a lot of stoppage wins and Corey Anderson's looked really good too. I think gear Prohaska is also a psychopath who can just kill a human being with his elbow. So those are the top three. If you want to argue that Corey Anderson is number one, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but I put Glover number one. Yuri number two and Corey Anderson number three, but it's honestly one A one B one C. If 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 we're allowed, actually, you know, I'm not even on the voting panel, so that's my <laughs> rankings. One A one B one C. Y'all can kick rocks with your fake fake rankings. Take the power back, Jose. Take the power back, Jed. What do you think? Where's Corey Anderson? Like how you how you rank these guys at this point in this light heavyweight division that seemingly makes no sense? He's probably number one. Um, at the end of this month, I'm probably going to move him up to the top spot. That will be conditional. If Yuri goes out and just, you know, molly wops Glover, then Yuri's going to be the top, top spot for me, and that's I'll feel really confident about it. But if if he doesn't, and like uh, our own Mike Heck has been just adamantly beaten, the Glover's going to tackle Yuri and submit him in the first round train for months. And so if that happens, then yeah, Corey Anderson's probably it, and that's interesting not a world i thought i'd ever be living in <laughs> if we're being honest but i mean you can't deny like what he's doing he you know coming into this fight maybe i was high on Vadim nemkov but he was my second ranked light heavyweight and Corey was my number three and you know he didn't win this fight i firmly believe he did not win this fight because he did a dumb illegal thing and you know you play stupid games you win stupid prizes well sometimes Sometimes. He, well, we saw a couple MMA times tonight that if you play stupid games in Las Vegas, sometimes you, you can just get the win. Great prizes. So, yeah. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, if they fought, you know, when they do fight again, this time I will be, and I suspect the sports books will be heavily favoring Corey Anderson to win. Now, again, we also saw this last weekend. You know, Piotr Jan did very similar things to Aljamain Sterling and then lost that rematch. So maybe that's what happens here and it all gets thrown up in the air. But for the time being, he's either one or two in my book. Man, I'm glad that we have a couple weeks to mull this over because we obviously do them at the end of the month because I, I'm right there with you. If I did it right now, I think there's a 50-50 shot I put him in at number one or number two. I have Yuri Braska at number one right now. It's all a mess. Like, none of it makes any sense. Glover Teixeira. <laughs> the fact that Glover Teixeira at age 42 and Corey Anderson, who I think no one expected – to really be in this spot at this point are two of the three best light heavyweights in the world uh is pretty wild, wild. pretty wild Danny uh, anyway Corey can come off the couch and freaking wreck this division <laughs> you're not wrong if he could make 205 i don't know if he could make 205 again he can be benching them doritos all he wants he could still come in and just house these fools <laughs> Uh, well, Casey, get in here. Let's turn to the peeps. We had we just saw a lot of fights over the last two days. A lot of them were pretty unmemorable, but there were some gems in there as well. What, what what's going on? What are the people saying? All right, how's everyone doing? How's everyone doing? Uh, also, while, while you're looking around, Casey, Corey Anderson, number one, number two. Where are you going to put him this at the end of this month? I I, I feel I want to say he's number one, but like but then as I start saying it out loud my brain kind of like you know just starts messing up there. it doesn't like it hurts <laughs> something's wrong but um i think actually uh jose had the best best uh thing just it's 1a 1b 1c i think with glover uh glover yuri and Corey right now um i got no issue with 
either either of those guys. Uh, my ranking most likely is probably still gonna be Yeri at number one, with Corey at number two, and Glover at number three, and Nemkov I guess four. But um, but it's it's, what I'm doing. it's so weird. Yeah, two hundred five is very weird right now. Two hundred five is very weird. Um, it's kind of really fun if you put aside the fact that it's insane. Well, like, and, and this and Rumble this Johnson a- might be the best light heavyweight in the world. Who knows, man? Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. It's all good. Ankle is going to be, be like the terrible. At the end of the year. Yeah. And and this if is he all- gets a shot, I don't know that Ankle will get a shot. But this is all because hey, John, remember, John Jones Ankeliab, doesn't baby. get along with Dana White. This is all you know. Like we want to be really having this discussion. Like it just. The John Jones thing. You're like, who's that guy? Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, uh, all right, here we go. Just going back to the main event. <laughs> From generic profile. He says he knows he has a better shot at Colby than Hamzat. This is obviously talking about Bilal. After his performance against Luke, uh, he can get caught by Hamzat, but not Colby. Thoughts? I'm yeah. going to go out on a limb here and say if you're a top four fighter in the division, you're probably not angling for a quote-unquote easy fight, especially if you're Bilal Muhammad. Seems like he's down to fight anyone. So I disagree with whoever this individual is. <laughs> yeah, man. Bilal, Bilal wants to fight anyone. I agree in principle, though. Like He does have a much better shot of beating Colby than Hamzat. I don't think yes. he beats either of them, but he has a way better chance against Colby than Hamzat. Also, he genuinely hates Colby Covington, so I also think he just wants to punch him in the face. Yeah, that is hyper valid. Yeah, that's yeah. what that feels like to me. Is like because all week he'd been talking that that Chimaev stuff, like like that's what he knew, and then after twenty five minutes of fight, like fist fighting a human being in a cage, he just reverted to like, oh, I actually do just hate this dude, and I'd like to fight him next. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to yesterday's main event. All right, this one's coming from Jamie, who said, I had it 4-1 AJ, to be honest. 4-1 AJ is not a scorecard I have seen. Okay. Uh, the rules say submission attempts that either have immediate impact or cumulative only affect what... Oh, okay, this is a weird, weirdly worded. Only effect was the pit bull tired himself out. I like him being the pit bull. I'm not sure what he's asking, but 4-1 AJ is a pretty wild scorecard, I got to say. I think I had it 3-1 AJ in the moment. I haven't rewatched it yet. I called it 3. It would be 3-2. I had it 3-2, but I also gave AJ the or round that, he, that he's talking about, the, the round with the submission, because I discounted the submission. I think on the rewatch, I'm probably wrong about that, and that probably was a pit bull round. Jose, pit bull Casey, also- how did Jose Casey, how did you guys hurt him? Which I did not recognize in real time that Pitbull like hurt him before that guillotine happened. I was pretty confident it was uh the first three rounds were for Pitbull, the last two rounds were for AJ. Um from my memory. And with the first round being yeah. pretty close, but I remember I thought the leg kicks I've seen so many fights right now. <laughs> the leg kicks from uh Pitbull in the round one was what won round one for me and then and then of course you had you no know, daddy mckee saying you won every round which I, that's I, rough that's, that's a whole thing that's so yeah. rough man yeah i don't want I don't, i'm not gonna get the open scoring thing but if you're a corner man and unless your fighter wins like a you know like a an, an 8.5 round you have to assume the fighter lost that round you can't Kelly is losing 
There's no downside at that point. I, even tonight, I think I think that what, what oh, happened in the Luke fight. Uh, I think his corner said, "You may be. It might be tied. You just have to win this round." And I was like, "Ooh, don't do that." So, um, but back to this question. Um, I had Pitbull winning. Um, I was shocked, but um, AJ looked. That was the worst AJ I've seen. And also, maybe I just kind of forgot how good Pitbull was too. I'm not quite sure. But um, I, mean, I think probably some of both for all of us. Some, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely feel that way. Yeah, I, I think I, not that I got overhyped on AJ because I still think he's extremely great talent. I just, I honestly, I forgot how good Pitbull was, and uh, that's, and I think Pitbull, I think, I think, I think about two minutes into that fight, I think AJ realized that too. Oh, he, this guy is very good. <laughs> This isn't going to be as easy as last time. Yeah. yeah. This was this was the case of an individual got caught early, made adjustments, and the other one thought he could just do the same thing all over again. Yep. Like Pitbull made Pitbull Pitbull had a training camp. AJ's like, I'll cut weight and show up. Yeah. How did you but, score it, Jose? I had a three-two Pitbull. Uh, I think I scored that the round in question. Was it the third round with the submission? That guillotine yeah. with the hair. Yeah. The, I'd scored that for Pitbull because I think in the rules they say effective striking and grappling should be considered first priority. I think that's actually written in to the ju- the criteria for judging. So that's just how I've always based it. But to each their own because in MMA we make up rules as we go, as we've seen. We all just make it up. Oh my God. Tonight was there are four different that. unified also, rules. Let's tonight talk almost about, gave me an aneurysm like, with all the yeah. Vegas stuff. How about featherweight? How about featherweight title fights and third round guillotines, man? Like, name a more iconic duo than that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Let me see. Got any any other questions? The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. I mean, while we're waiting, Jose, uh, what, were, what are your thoughts on this whole cluster F that we saw in Las Vegas today? Like this, the, the DQs thing, where both of those situations in my eyes should have been Stupid. DQs. Like how on the, the setting the precedent of the guy who's ahead 2-0 commits a foul and yeah. because you didn't think the foul was purposeful, you can then end the fight and he just wins. Feels like a super dangerous precedent for me to set. Yeah. You saw a bunch of fighters tweeting at it well as well tonight of like if I'm up 2-0 in a fight or 4-0 in a fight, 3-0, what's to stop me from just smashing some dude in the balls until he can't continue and then just getting a win off of that? Like am I crazy yeah. here? No, I'm glad you brought. Right, I'm sorry, but I'm glad you brought that up because everyone on this website can pretend they're professional fighters and complain about fighting. But now that we're seeing actual professional fighters saying like, "What's to stop me from doing this?" Then you have to take it into consideration. I think Ben Rothwell was like, like he tweeted himself, like, "What's to stop Bilal Muhammad or Vicente Luque from just grinding out three rounds and then just running in and just blasting the other guy in the nuts and then getting a DQ and calling it a day or something like, or round four or whatever." jed said so yeah now professional fighters are talking about it something's gonna have to be done because it's a bad precedent if 
You know, I'm up two rounds halfway through the third round and go, I'm tired. I'm just going to stab this dude in the eyes with a couple fingers, uh, three stooges style. And I'm still going to get the rest of my paycheck. So, yeah, it's something's got to change in Las Vegas. That's for sure. I'm going to play but the other side. But wouldn't those be considered intentional? Like with like, I don't know what's the word. Like everything negligence. is intentional. Well, that's the thing. There's no such thing as accidental. I know me and Jed have our differences on this, but um yeah it's like i don't it's just I, well, how good of an actor you are at that point right like, that, like if you're just MMA, maybe you're just though. a really that, good actor and you can be like oh i didn't mean to punch this guy in the back of the face but, but in the back of the head like this is crazy we're also man. talking about a situation that are we are we saying these fighters did that tonight because otherwise we're, we're talking about a situation that's never happened before in the thousands of fights we've seen unless we're saying that the the guys did that tonight on purpose are we saying they they try they did that we're not I'm not going to try to pretend I know. I'm just saying, like, to answer Sean's question, it does set a precedent that you can get away with stuff if you're a good actor. Yeah, like, it's. It, I'm sure neither of these dudes meant to throw purposefully illegal strikes, but they did, and they got rewarded for it. Like, end of the day, that's what it is, right? You got rewarded for cheating. That's, I have issues that's my whole thing. Yeah. It's just, so. like, it's all... Don't don't add interpretation. There's no need for interpretation because you know who didn't do anything wrong? The people who got hit by illegal strikes and they are potentially adversely affected. If if a fighter is intentionally trying to actually cheat, meaning they intend to throw an illegal strike to harm their opponent, they should lose the fight and be banned from the sport for two years. The same way PEDs are intentionally cheating and get a suspension if if you throw a fight and you foul, you foul. You're in charge of your strikes and just, oh, well, I don't feel like it. And I feel like it just happens a lot where because a fighter is winning and it feels wrong to make them lose because they did a wrong thing, we don't. But it's like the only sport where this happens because it doesn't matter if you intended to cheat or not. Like I didn't mean to grab that face mask. It was a reflex and I grabbed his face mask. Cool. It's 15 yards you did, you did the illegal thing. Don't do the illegal thing because the other guy didn't do the illegal thing. And that's it. Like it just I don't I don't know why we've given interpretation to referees, which also changes wildly, which is another huge issue with this, where Mark Smith can immediately take a point for one and Dan Margliotta can just be like, nah, we're good. It's fine. <laughs> I don't feel that that was bad, so it's okay. Like that's just make everything black and white and build from there. If I'm Peter Yan watching all of this tonight, I'm throwing my remote at the TV like it's multiple so times. Mad. It is very confusing for the Peter. If you throw the Peter Yan situation, it could say the Peter Yan fight was tonight. Who? No, who it, was refing the Peter Yan walks away from the champion Goddard? as champion at that point because he was ahead on the scorecards. Who was refing Yan? Was that Goddard who did that? Like the, the Yan knee thing? I feel like I should know this. I feel like I should remember this. I don't remember offhand. I, I can't remember, but like that's goes to the point. Like whoever's refing can totally mm-hmm. define how you do it. And so it's just like I don't there it was, rules uh, it was Mark Smith. it was it was Mark Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Smith is actually pretty good about like actively enforcing the rules that are on the books, which is wild. So good for him. And the situations tonight. First off, in the Barnett situation, uh, Barnett, I forgot his opponent's name, the guy that won the fight. Um, that was a legal strike, first of all. Mergliotta screwed up. That was a legal strike. 
that was not that was not that was not this elbow that was a that was this elbow and it hit him in the legal spot i think he just thought it was illegal they looked at the replay and they just made up a new rule honestly i that's my conspiracy theory um watch the replay it was a legal strike i mean it kind of really annoyed me but uh as far and what was the other the other the, it doesn't matter I mean, we're getting too I mean he won he was about yeah. he was gonna win whether the blow landed or not he was going to win anyway yeah, yeah. that's and, why uh, it's silly uh, and right. the, yeah it, it, it's just stupid that, rules too that is also it's the thing that it's just frustrating. honestly frustrates me a lot is like because it does happen a lot with fighters who are winning you just don't have to do the dumb thing that's maybe illegal you can just beat them like you're already you are already knocking that dude out. You don't have to throw that elbow just, just or that knee. Baralho doesn't have to throw the grounded knee. Just just hit him. You're already oh, winning. Just win. If you watch that first, fight, the he, first class couch cornering advice from Jed telling he's, him just he stopped it. He stopped himself from throwing illegal knees like twice in the second round. He did that. He like, clearly he, like, he clearly knows really what he's doing. For one, and it was like, oh, never mind. That's illegal. All right. Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure he even put his hands I, up. When I, he, I, I rewatched like, actually last night. I, I rewatched uh, Gilbert Burns and Hamzat, and I was thinking because technically, if you throw an illegal strike and it misses, it's still illegal. And I, I couldn't believe Burns got away with that no. soccer kick. You also punched yeah. Hamzat in the back of the head in that fight. <laughs> It's, yeah. <laughs> we're getting way too deep. Yeah, I know. There was so much. There was so much. There's people cheat all the time. There's no rules. More of it Let's just go back. Open weights. What, oh, what, let's you. do one or two more questions, yeah. and then we'll get out of here. All right. All right. This one's coming from. Uh, oh man, I'm gonna totally butcher your name, and I'm sorry. Samdut Roy is what my attempt at that is. Uh, who has Luke actually defended takedowns against? Even Kiesa took him down easy before getting submitted. Leon Edwards, baby. He lost that fight, but he stuffed like 10 takedowns in that fight. I think the the takedowns wasn't what won the fight for Luke. I mean, sorry, for uh, Muhammad. It was the freaking lateral movement. Because if 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 Luke can't get a rhythm, if if Muhammad like just stays still and doesn't have that lateral movement the entire fight. Luke wins that fight. It was once Muhammad stopped moving, he was getting pieced up. I think we all knew that Luke was going to get taken down eventually, but not submitted. It's kind of what we saw, but I think it was the lateral movement that kind of really kind of surprised us. I don't know. It, was, it really surprised me. What do you, how do you feel? I think it's both. Both? I think the lateral movement was great, but I think if, if Bilal doesn't take him down, I, I don't know that he wins the fight, but he was so effective with it. Yeah. Um, but it just neutralized the case striking to me. Or made it. Bala Muhammad had a good game plan. Vicente yeah. Luque did okay. Vicente Luque also just didn't adjust. Like even That's when it. he there was like that there was like that sequence when Vicente Luque like clipped Bilal with that left hook and the like the announcers went ballistic and then Bala Muhammad just shot like a blast double leg and took him down. Like he got hurt and he took him down. And Vicente Luque was like, Oh no, I'm stuck. That was it. Was it. Didn't weird adjust. His game plan was like, okay, he did sort of adjust early by like he kept attacking the outside leg when Muhammad would move. So when Muhammad would go to his left, he was nailing that low kick yeah. to slow it and he was going yeah. wider with hooks. And then he like after that takedown in the third, after he hurt him, he seemed to entirely revert to just like, I'm gonna chase him around the ring and not land punches anymore. It's very be fascinated to know kind of what was going on in his head. 
the flattest Vicente's looked for for a long time. I was about to go rogue with this last question. What do you got here, Casey? Because I got I got a good one teed up. <laughs> uh, gentleman says, "Can we talk about that Jordan Levitt dance pose?" Uh, that was impressive. I liked Jamal Hill's uh, response mm. to that of saying, "You you do that to you twerk after you knock me out. We're fighting again." <laughs> the second time in the same night talk about the double standard in this sport we all praise jordan levitt for his amazing dance but then the mma fans criticized valerie lareda for her awesome dancing after a close decision double standards here yeah those people are called <laughs> incels. those people are yeah, called incels, incels casey <laughs> uh all right i'm going rogue on this last one this one i want to i want to answer this from tristan gordet who uh who brings up a man who we didn't even mention on this show that probably we need to start mentioning really soon uh oh. thoughts on aaron pico's performance he looked incredible and gave you everything you want from a fighter y'all aaron pico's time might be here like it might be now like we've been waiting on this guy for a while it's been about five years since we he debuted as you know the best prospect in mma and then loses in 24 seconds in his debut he's won now six in a row he's looking mighty unstoppable obviously the competition level is not quite there yet that's not really his fault this one was a short notice replacement but i mean what do you guys think about where in pico is becoming dude i love pico Pico is like the one, like one of the very few fighters in MMA who just believes in his soul that punching a man's liver out is like a very valid way to attack somebody. And Dude, he's so the right. body it's, shots. It's the so The body awesome. shots are so grisly to watch, man. That man throws nasty rib roasters and like does them all the time. Uh, I love that dude. I hope he's good. I think he is. I think he's kind of there. Though, again, do question the fact that he has one win over a fighter with a Wikipedia page. Gives you a bit of a pause, but massive amounts of talent, and I love watching him fight. Yeah. Agreed. Is it has, has he arrived? Like, is it is it kind of this time now to, to do I, it with him? I it think he's be. he's so good. I want to, like Jed said. Like, who's he supposed to fight first? Jeremy Kennedy? Was that? Yeah. Was that yeah. yeah. Like, Which would have been won, a great right? test. Would have been if a great he had test. beaten him, the answer is he's, like, no doubter. Because then we're having a conversation, like, does he deserve a title shot next, this and that? He's a big name. Like, if they want to rebook the Kennedy fight, if they want to make the Boric rematch, if they want to make the Mads Brunel fight, like, so be it. But give him a big name next. Yeah. When I say big name, like, you know, a highly skilled opponent that are not on short notice. The issue I mean, for Pico is Or Or Brunel. It has to be one of those two for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Burnell lost that. Do, do Burnell, right? Yeah. That's, yeah those uh, are the, only, the only ones above him in the rankings are the champ, AJ, Burnell, and Borish. Those are the only four above him, I believe, in their rankings. I think I think you're right. And, yeah, it's – I hope he's here. I mean, he's 25 now. I've been in the game for, like, five years, so he's finally settled. I think he's finally – his big thing was the ego fight just – blew him to the moon he's like oh this guy's never fought and he blew the doors off Leandro ego who's like one of our better fighters and he got rushed a little bit but and he looked pretty good against corrales before he He himself said he got punched in the nose saw red and then ran into a fist and he was beating borch pretty good before he lost like he was winning before he lost in one of those he's one of those guys um, he, yeah, he, 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 he there was what? a moment there where he was kind of a coin flip fighter, and I feel like like Branson, Brandon Gibson has really, really taken this guy to a different level. Like ever since they've started working together, Pico is I'm a believer, man. I feel like that guy's gonna be champion in this division sooner rather than later at this point. 
the UFC yeah, I, needs to give. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been fortunate enough. I've had some kind of behind the scenes access with uh, Mr. Pico training and talked to uh, Greg Jackson and Brandon Gibson about Pico, and I've honestly never heard him speak more highly of a fighter than Aaron. Um, just from when they got when they got him, essentially they were they were like, he is the worst MMA fighter. But as individual talents in boxing and wrestling, boxing and wrestling mostly, unreal. And all they had to do was just figure out how to make him a mixed martial artist. As cheesy as it sounds, they had to mix the martial arts with him. Because when they got him, he was just either, either he was boxing or he was wrestling. He couldn't do both. And it took a little time. And But, yeah, just he's ungodly good and committed to the sport. And, um, yeah, I can't – yeah, I'm pretty much what Jed says. Like, he just – just incredibly exciting to watch. Just, he has he has it all. He has it all. And um, now we're just waiting for the tougher competition. That's all we're waiting for now. It's just yeah, oh, yeah. must see TV. All right. Well, let's close it out on that. Uh, it was a very very busy weekend. We saw lots of fights. Talk about the brilliant commentary from both Bellator and the UFC. <laughs> We don't need to get. We don't even need to do that. <laughs> we do not need to do that. That's there were a lot of fights. <laughs> Some of them were good. Some of them were not so good. Uh, some of them were weird. It was a weekend. A lot of them were weird. Who, who, who won the, the, were weird. the performance? Who won the money? Extra money tonight. We didn't even talk about that. Uh, oh, hey, there we go. Bonuses. Last second guesses before I say them. Uh, I just Fialo, at it. Ooh, that's interesting. Fialo, Fialo close Lezez Le- Le- and his opponent. Yeah, Lezez got yeah, two Le- out of three. Close. Lezez, Luisa, L- Losa, uh, fight of the night. Um, Fialo perform, uh, performance and uh, Clark. The fight of no. the night's wrong, and I think that might be because of that post-fight interview. Oh, that, did that cost us fifty thousand? The fight that could have gone maybe Kenzo Landsberg, Landsberg, Silva versus Wu. Yeah. Whoa, my brand of Silva, you won, which is feels did not a expect lot that. like feels a lot like Lazez cost him and him and homie 50k with that post he cost his opponent 50k wow it was it was all his own accord too like he took that mic oh yeah like it was over (laughs) the interview nobody's gonna go daniel cormier is not gonna go ask him so (laughs) (laughs) any any uh any murders you want (laughs) to alleged murders you want to talk about all right any people with a five million dollar bounty on them you'd like to shout out real quick <laughs> Let's get out of there with that. Uh, what a weekend. Really bizarre weekend, fellas. Yes. Kind of a thoroughly unsatisfying weekend, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> I, I, it's a great come down from 273. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, they can't all be winners. They can't all be winners. And really, performance of the weekend to Pawal Muhammad, because he's the one guy who it. went he out did there it. and did what he hey, needed to do. You know what? Jesus Christ loves knockouts. Happy yes, Easter. he does. Yes, he does. Happy, Happy Easter, Easter right? everyone. Uh, my name is Sean O'Shotty. That man is Jose Youngs. That man is Jed Mashu, the undefeated EKC Layden. Thanks for rocking with us all weekend. You know how it goes. Keep it locked, MMA fighting. You got on to the next one Monday. Uh, MMA hour Monday as well. We got no, no, Fighter vs. No. Rider MMA Tuesday. Hour. It, no MMA hour this oh, week. Oh, wait, no. no I'm sorry. Hour. I lied. No MMA I hour this week. Lied. Lied. No MMA hour this week. Next week, though. Either way, you guys know how it goes. Keep it rocking with MMA fighting the whole week uh, as we do what we do. We love you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you soon.
Happy birthday again. Not my birthday. I'm AK. Go Raptors. We the North. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs> 